we continue through this No Longer I series, uh, man, there's a message that's just been stirring in my spirit. Um, <clears throat> last week was a very difficult week in the life of people in Alexandria, last two weeks, from the floodwaters that swept through our city at the end of one week <clears throat> to last Saturday in two separate high schools, uh, two different teenagers took their lives. And those have been very difficult times in our city, very difficult times for our, our leaders, whether they be leaders of churches or leaders of schools, what are we going to do? One of the pictures that I had last week flowing through my mind is that I, as I drove through the floodwaters of this city, I couldn't help but feel like the floodwaters of hopelessness are overtaking our city they're overtaking they're running through the streets they're running into businesses they're running into homes and there was nothing that you could do to stop the flood water this week I was speaking with uh, uh, brother Paul McCartney and he had, had just had surgery a procedure on his back and uh, last week when the floods happened uh, water almost went into his home and he was out there trying to move some bags that his neighbor had placed there of, uh, from mowing his lawn that was blocking the drainage. And I said, Paul, why didn't you call somebody to come and help you? He said, Pastor, it happened so quick, I didn't know the floodwaters were coming. Kind of as in the days of Noah, amen? And, and, but they knew the floodwaters were coming. There was a warning, a warning, a warning. But hopelessness many times catches us off guard. And today, my friends, I want you to realize that God has strategically positioned Family of Grace Church to be in the center of this city to encourage individuals, to encourage families, to encourage other church leaders to rise up out of mediocrity and embrace what it is that God is wanting to do in our hearts and in our lives. Today, if you, will have your, if you have your Bible, if you will turn with me to the book of Luke. We were there last week, and we were in chapter 18. And we looked at the rich young ruler. Last week, we looked at several things dealing with this passage of Scripture and how we talked about one must remember that we are a soul with a body and not a body with a soul. I want to drill down on that again. You're not a body that requires a soul, but we were a soul that requires a body. What will live forever? Two things. The Word of God will live forever, and the souls of men will live forever. The only two things. Everything else will perish. Everything else will perish, but the Word of God and the souls of men will live forever. Now, I realize that kind of preaching won't really draw a feel-good crowd, but it's the reality of it. You know, the reality of it is God called us to make disciples. And the only way that we can really make disciples is when we get honest about where we are and what God is doing in our hearts and lives. How are we going to minister to the hopelessness that's running through our city? You know, I, I was amazed uh, as I was the other day when I was trying to go pick my daughters up from school. I couldn't get down MacArthur Drive the day that it flooded because it was gridlock all around. And so I was going to be wise and navigate down the back roads. But the back roads had so much water on them that they were overflowing out of the streets and into the backs of businesses. Now, do you think the businesses were ready? 
No, they'd have had a plan. I mean, that thing came in, and within a matter of a phone call, the whole property here was flooded. Just like that. And that's how hopelessness is. That's how hopelessness is. You don't see it coming, and it catches us off guard. Sometimes there are signs, but other times it's just like that. And so that rich young ruler last week went to Jesus, and he asked a question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He was asking a question about heaven and hell. What was the difference? What must I do? And you know, we looked at it last week, and Jesus said, Man, just uh, keep the commandments. Well, I did all those since I was a boy. And he said, good good job, you know. And then he went forward and basically he said, yeah, but there's still one thing you lack. Sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. The Bible says that he went away grieved because he had many, many possessions. Now, let's look at the other side of that today. Because... The soul is how we relate to God. The mind is how we rate, relate to ourselves. You know, we think it, and then we become it. You know, you've heard me say this before. Stinking thinking provides a stinking life. Because it's how we think is how we feel. And so when we think about this, it's a different, I mean, almost the same thing's happening here. Look with me, if you would, at chapter 19. A very familiar passage of Scripture here. It says, and then Jesus, he entered into Jericho, and he was passing through. He was going through. Where was he going? I'm glad you asked that question. He was going to Calvary. He was going to Calvary. He had turned his attention to a different direction, and he was leading to Calvary. Matter of fact, if you just flip over a couple of chapters here, I mean, you'll see that, I mean, on the pathway here, I mean, just a couple of chapters later, he's standing right before Pilate. And so in this passage of Scripture, it says that he needed to go through Jericho, and in, the, in here it says there was a certain man named Zacchaeus. Now, I know you know this story. Please don't tune me out. Because I know you've heard a lot better preachers than me preach on Zacchaeus. So don't tune me out because I want to look at this from a different perspective today. You say, well, there's only so many perspectives to finding yourself up a sycamore tree. Yes, you're right. But let me, let me accept the challenge today. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. But he was trying to see, underline this, who Jesus was. Now, he wasn't trying to see Jesus. He was trying to see who Jesus was. R religion will show you Jesus, but it won't show you who he is. It takes a relationship. A relationship. Why do people shack up now before they get married? They say, well, I want to know who that person really is. I want to try them out. I want to know who they are. You got to get in a relationship. Now, that's not the way you, that's not the relationship you get in to figure out who somebody is. But it'll let you pick up what I'm putting down. And religion is the same way. It'll paint you a picture of Jesus, but you won't know him until you open your heart. TJ's testimony in the No Longer I video was, I understood the religion. 
At 12 years of age, I understood Jesus. I saw Jesus, but at 19, I didn't know who he was. That's my testimony. At six years of age, I knew Jesus, but I didn't know who he was till I was 16. If we went around this room today, there's probably more in here who has that same testimony. Why? Because you were introduced to a relation, I mean to a religion and not a relationship. Religion doesn't make you whole. A relationship does. A relationship is what heals. A relationship with Jesus is what brings about the transformation. Now look at this passage of scripture here. It says he was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd. So he climbed up in, there's a sharp man, so he ran ahead. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see who Jesus was since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up to him and said, Hey, you Zacchaeus, hurry down and come home because I'm going to your house today. So Zacchaeus didn't need another invitation. He didn't need everybody to bow their head and close their eyes so nobody would see him come down the sycamore tree and talk to Jesus. He didn't need to fill out a card in private and say, Now, Jesus, I really don't want to make this public. I'd like to just live for you in private. Are you with me, church? He said he scurried down that sycamore tree, and look at what it says. He came down and welcomed Jesus joyfully. How many of us have actually welcomed Jesus joyfully? Joyfully. The joy of your heart, the pride of your life. And then it goes on and it says, All who saw it, everybody, they began to complain. This Jesus, he's going to lodge with a sinful man. You know why? Because Jesus would rather be broken with you than be complete. Now his goal is to make you complete in him, but guys, you will not be complete until you get to heaven. You may feel complete and then all of a sudden the gale force winds sweep into your life and they break a window out of your soul. They break a window into your life and you're like, wow, how did that happen? Complete won't take place. The completion will not take place till we're standing in the presence of God. Salvation is a threefold process. You were saved, you are saved, you will be saved. It's the process that we're moving through. And so it says they began to complain. Look, Jesus is going with these, this dirty man, a sinful man, a vile man, a broken man. What in the world is he thinking? And Zacchaeus, man, he stood there and said, Lord, look, I give half of my possessions to the poor. Lord, and if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay it back four times. Old Testament principle was if you stole something or extorted something, you had to pay it back four times. Zacchaeus said, I'm going to pay it back four times. Now it goes on and says, Jesus said, now today salvation has come to your house. Wait a minute, they're not even at the house yet. But it's come to your house. And Jesus said, because he too is the son of Abraham. Now, here's the mission statement of Jesus. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those which are lost. 
What are we talking about here today? Step number three. Living the no longer I principle. We talked about that last week and the delight of the man who's willing to live the principle, but we know that the rich ruler went away last week, the rich young ruler went away sad because he was unwilling to live a life of no longer I. He was unwilling to live a life of being crucified with Christ, yet living with Christ. He was unwilling to live the life of the no longer I. There's a couple of things that I see in this passage of Scripture. When things are no longer sufficient, write that down. <clears throat> what do I do? How do I live when things are no longer sufficient? <clears throat> When things are no longer sufficient. Zacchaeus was a wealthy man. Everybody knew he was a wealthy man. A lot of his wealth, it came from not doing the right thing. It came from extorting money from people from taxes. Kind of a lot, a lot like our government's doing today. I mean, they take it and this and that. And so as we think about this, you know, it's, it's uh, man, it's, 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 it's one thing to pay your taxes but it's another thing to have this tax and every all these other taxes keep being keep adding unto you, keep adding it unto you. And that's kind of how they would do it back then. They would say, well, here's your tax, but there's this one more thing. There's this one more thing. And most people didn't know, and so it was very easy for the publicans to, to extort the tax collectors to extort the money from the people. But what happened for Zacchaeus was he realized that things were no longer sufficient. You see, up to this point, wealth had defined him. Things had defined him. That's where he found who he was. TJ said in his No Longer I video, he says, I've come to realize that it's not my ministry. It's not my ministry. It's just my life that I live through his. You know, I, I can remember probably 12 years ago or something, I remember hearing Bill Stafford make a statement. He says, you boys better make, you know, preachers will make this statement, ministry is my life. He said, you better make Jesus your life because one day you can wake up and not have a ministry. They can vote you out, send you on a rail, or your life fall apart. All these things can happen and you find yourself without a ministry, but you never find yourself without a Savior. I'm going to say that again. I want y'all to embrace that with a little more enthusiasm. When you, when you leave and you don't have anything and everything's falling apart, you may find yourself without a ministry. You may find yourself without a job. You may find yourself without your kids. You may find yourself without a spouse. You may find yourself without money, but you will never find yourself without a Savior. He is sticks closer than a brother. He is ever present in the time of need. He walks with you through the valley of the shadow of death. For Zacchaeus, his wealth defined him. His wealth controlled him. How he thought, how he lived, where he lived, where he went, all those things controlled him. But Zacchaeus began to realize that things were no longer sufficient. There was something else he realized. When he realized that I was no longer enough. 
He realized that things were insufficient. They, 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 they were not sufficient to take care of his life, to bring peace, to bring joy, and to bring contentment. But he also realized that in his life there was another interesting factor. He realized that when the no longer I principle was sufficient, he was empty. When he came to the end of the eye, he realized how small that little dot really was. He realized that at the end of his life, he was empty. At the end of his life, he had nothing to contribute. He was broken. Do you know how many commandments he had broken from his youth? Probably just about all of them. You remember the story last week, the rich young ruler said, Phew, Boy, I'm in good shape. Check, check, check. I've kept all those since I was a boy. Oh, wait, one thing thou lackest. Go and sell all you have. Take up your cross and follow me. Oh, my. I'm going away sad. Why? Because things are still sufficient for me. For Zacchaeus, things were no longer sufficient. It didn't matter if he had a new boat. Nobody wanted to get in the boat with him because his life stunk. And when he did get in the boat, he got in the boat with a bunch of other tax collectors who were all trying to rip everybody off, and all they wanted to talk about is how their boat was bigger than his boat. You out there. And so, man, as they're going through this process and going through this pathway, Zacchaeus realized, number one, that things were insufficient. The rich young ruler thought things were sufficient. And here's something else that Zacchaeus realized, that the I was no longer sufficient in his life, where the rich young ruler was the I was still sufficient in his life. Let me read you a passage of Scripture interesting. It's right before the rich young ruler. It's so interesting what's happening here in the, in the Bible as these things are coming together. It's in Luke 18 and verse 9. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted him, who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous, religious, and they looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple complex to pray. One, a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. Could have been Zacchaeus he was talking about. And here's what he says. The Pharisee took his stand and was praying like this. God, I thank you, Lord, that I am not like other people. I thank you that I'm not greedy, that I'm not unrighteous, I'm not adulterous, or even like that old dirty tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. I give 10% of everything I get. Oh, but that old tax collector standing afar off would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept beating his chest and striking his breast saying, God, turn your wrath from me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to the house of God justified rather than the religious one because everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. God's not looking for people to be whole together. He's looking for them to be broken together. To get over their self. Because the ones who think they're whole and there's nothing broken, they're only lying to their self. You ever known anybody who lied so much he believed it to be true? Some of us do that spiritually. 
We have been spiritually lying to ourselves that we have this relationship with God, but the relationship with God is so far from an intimate relationship with God that all we really have at the end of the day is a little card with our name and our church and our religion and our denomination beside it. Let me tell you what that'll get you. A one-way ticket to hell. Amen. But let me tell you what the other one will get you. When you realize, God, all I have is brokenness. Lord, all I am is an old, dirty tax collector. Lord, all I am is a broken sinner in need of the grace of God. Lord, please overlook my failures. Please, Lord, overlook my adultery. Lord, please look over the theft. Please look over, Lord, the, the jealousy, the envy, the strife, the rebellion in my heart, God. And, Lord, let me live a life of no longer I, but it's Christ who lives in me, that the life I live in the flesh may be live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Wow. See, wealth defined him. Wealth controlled him. The reality, we, we will live a life of no longer I. See, see, Zacchaeus realized that things weren't sufficient. He realized the I was too little. And we will realize the eye is too little when the reality outweighs the circumstances. When you have no more tricks in your hand. When you have no more cards to pull out. When you have passed up plan B and you have just exalted plan C is when reality outweighs your circumstances. And I know a lot of churches that when you get to the end of plan Z and you're a broken, failed public sinner, they'll turn their back on you. They'll run away from you. They won't want anything to do with you because your brokenness highlights their wickedness. And they'll say, oh, no, you can't belong here. I'm telling you something today that if we can't be broken together, we ought to not call ourselves a church. Lighten up, preacher. That's heavy. Churches were never meant to be hothouses. But to be the place where triage happens. Unfortunately, they're hothouses. The temperature stays the same. It, it doesn't matter whether it's winter or summer. Same temperature. The plants stay the same. And nothing ever outgrows the hothouse. You were not created to live in a hothouse. You were created to thrive in the trenches and the failures of this world as a trophy of the grace of God that while we were afar off, the grace of God would run rampant through our life. See, when reality outweighs the circumstances and poverty is discovered in our prosperity, you will realize that things are no longer sufficient and I is not enough. Ooh, can I say that last one again? You may want to write it down. When we realize the poverty in our prosperity. Now let that settle in for a moment. That, that's hard to swallow. It took me a little while to get it down myself. Your prosperity is everything that you think you're so successful at when you realize it is really nothing but filthy rags to God. 
is when you see the poverty in your prosperity. Zacchaeus found the poverty in his prosperity. I don't know where he found it. You know, I mean, he's going around the countryside knocking on house doors and, you know, collecting taxes. I mean, I don't know. Did he knock on the door of, 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 of J. Iris? You know, did he knock on the door where he raised that little girl from the dead? Did he, did he knock on the door of the woman who had the issue of blood and couldn't pay her taxes because she had spent everything? And, and you know, he, he came back this year maybe, I'm just speculating here, maybe to come back and, and take some things of her assets because she couldn't pay her taxes because she had wasted all of her money on physicians and all of a sudden now she's whole and she has a little bit of money because she has a job now because she no longer has the issue. I don't know. Did he hear her story? I, um, did he did he stumble across a Gadarean demoniac who had been sent off to the graveyard to run around the rest of his life, who now was no longer running naked through the graveyard, but was now clothed in his right mind and on a mission for the master? Did he run across the lepers? I don't know who he ran across, but somewhere along the way, Zacchaeus realized that the things in his possession was insufficient, and his eye was no longer sufficient, and he said, i got to find this man named Jesus because religion wasn't the answer. Wealth was not the answer. Friends was not the answer. Things were not the answer. I've got to find out who Jesus really is. And when you find out who Jesus really is you don't have trouble living a life of no longer I. How do you find out who Jesus really is? It's when you realize how holy he is. And how unjust we really are. You'll see Jesus for who he really is. When you realize that he keeps his word and he keeps his commandments. And that his plan for your life is so much greater than the plan for our life. TJ said in his No Longer I video, I'm 30 years old but I feel like I'm 60 all that I've accomplished. Wow. Wait a minute. But he said his wife almost died a couple of times. His three children almost died a couple of times. And he was run out on a rail from the church he was pastoring. But yet I've accomplished more. Why? Because little is much if God is in it. Because you labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it. When you just believe in Jesus' name. When people are no longer the problem, you can live a life of no longer I. Verses 3 through 4, he came down and made a public profession of faith. You know, for a long time, I, I'm not going to lie, I guess I, I'm just not really, I guess I'll not lie while I'm preaching. Uh, that's a dumb statement. Uh, for a long time, I just saw this happening at Zacchaeus' house. But it wouldn't, like, I, I don't know why, I just never really read, I guess it was never revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. I just pictured all this happening in his house. You know, they finish the meal, and they're in there, and they're drinking their coffee, and he says, oh, Lord, anything I've defrauded, I'll give it back. I, I just pictured, but, 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 but that wasn't how it happened. When he came down that little sycamore tree, or that big old sycamore tree, he saw Jesus. Jesus said, I want to go to your house. Zacchaeus says, I've had enough of the living at my house, Lord. I just give it all to you. And he makes this public declaration. Publicly. That's what gets everybody to talking. Wait a minute. Whew, if he was really the son of God, he'd know how bad Zacchaeus really was. Well, people are no longer the problem. 
They will not impact your decisions and they will not separate you from Jesus. When people are no longer the problem, they will not impact your decisions and they will not separate you from Jesus. And there will be life. There will be a life of we and not me. You will no longer worship at the altar of I, mine, me, but we will live our life for him, others, and we. For him, others, and we is living a life of no longer I. Today, there's a lot of you, you've really been struggling, kind of like TJ with your salvation. You go to church all the time. You give some money. You do some things the pastor asks you to do. But you know you're empty. You know you're void of that relationship with God. Oh, you may trust that relationship to live by, but you know you don't trust it to die by. Maybe today you ought to just say, Lord, I don't want religion, I want a relationship.